Welcome back to another episode of Corked Up. I'm Jessica Kleinschmidt. And I'm Rachel Luba. Cheers. Our wine word of the day is what, Rachel? Trade. It is trade. And the reason why we're talking about trade is all of a sudden, the season started yesterday. That means tomorrow's the trade deadline. And in four days, the season's over. So there's a lot that we wanted to talk about. And guess what? We don't have a guest. You know why, Rach? We don't need one. We don't, we don't, we don't. need one. We do not need one. And, um, but there is a lot to talk about. So for starters, what I wanted to talk about is the trade deadline. Like I said, it's coming up 31st, August 31st. And I'm hearing that since it is a 60 game season, a lot of moves may not be made. Now I'm on a weird side where the A's are going to be wanting to get a lot of guys to kind of get them over that hump. So we don't have to have a stressful postseason. But what I'm hearing, is this true? Do you think, Rachel, like maybe there are teams that won't be making a lot of crazy trades only because coronavirus is happening. There's a lot of question marks going on. Do you think it's going to be a really, really weird trade deadline? Absolutely, because in the end, I think there are plenty of teams, probably if if anything, there are probably more teams than normal that because of the expanded postseason that feel like, you know, they might have a shot when in a normal season, they wouldn't normally probably have a shot. Maybe they would be sellers. So there are a lot of buyers or would be buyers, I think this year. But the problem is that because of the uncertainty of everything, because of just the new format of the postseason, and no one really knows how to kind of interpret it or predict how things are going to go in the same way that they would a normal postseason. I think there are going to be the the normal sellers are going to be very hesitant about you know giving up or i'm sorry like the normal buyers are going to be hesitant about giving up you know maybe prospects or you know whatever to get some good pieces to get them to the postseason and through does the that, postseason. Does that have to do with the fact that people are looking at the postseason as kind of a bs postseason like it's a it's a shortened scenario so it's like oh you're good for a 2020 60 game season like people are kind of thinking the world series should have an asterisk on it with this one as opposed to like i don't know a 2017 one but why do you think that could be part of it too yeah absolutely i mean one i guess there's the problem of technically we don't know could coronavirus get really bad again and we have to shut down so what if you trade away one of your you know or a few of your best like top prospects and then the season gets shut down and you got this expensive, you know, player that was going to be in your rotation or in the outfield, that piece you needed. And now, you know, maybe they're going to be a free agent next year. So you rented them for no reason and you gave away, you know, a few of your prospects. So I think there are a lot of people that are just really hesitant. And then you have the same issue of, do you, put your eggs all into this one basket when there's going to be more than half the teams are going to be in the postseason. We don't really even know, like it's a weird postseason. Will we continue to have this format of the expanded playoffs? If not, then again, it's going to be even more of this like asterisk, you know, postseason. So do we make all these moves and try to win it? And it might, you know, like it's going to be this weird 
Like, do we, you know, try to aim for next year instead? Like, let's not, because we don't know what's going to happen this year and the weirdness of it. Yeah. And I, I'm so glad I don't have to make these decisions. Like, I, like, especially with the team, like, you know, the three most fun teams right now, White Sox, Padres, A's. That's not me being biased. It's literally the truth. Get 100, off. 100%. 100%. They're, yeah. That's not even. Yeah. But here's the thing. I don't. I think those three teams would still be fun in a regular 162 game season. And I feel we can stop talking about the Padres as, oh, they're good for a 60 game season. I feel like that's more Giants-esque. I feel like the Giants are making things interesting in a 60 game season. But the Padres are just a damn good team. And it's not just because of Tatis Jr. But yeah. I really yeah, think they're going to, oh, 100. They're, that team is going to be good for, oh, uh, I mean, they're going to have several years, I think. Where that's gonna what be- they've been wanting. And that's what we've been wanting and everything like that. Um, so it's kind of interesting to think about from that perspective. Because even if you can half-ass this season, no matter what happens, if you totally bomb this season, people are like, oh, it's a wash because it was a, a short right. season. But if you dominate it, people are like, okay, that's cool. But, like, you only played in 60 games. So either way, you're effed. You're not going to have a ton of street cred. But – and that's why I think about the A's. I feel so bad for them because if they go out and dominate, which they have a really good chance of doing, you know – I I would put money on the fact they would have done the exact same successful season. I know that's really sucks that I can't. That's, that's, that's the bummer about it. And I think it's just weird because normally, for example, yeah, I was talking to Bauer last night about, because the trade deadline's coming up and you know, we were in the same exact position last year and, you know, he was very likely we were thinking to be traded And at the last minute, we thought maybe he won't. And then, you know, he did. But I was asking about it again, and we were just kind of talking. And we were looking at the standings, and, you know, they're third now behind the Cubs in St. Louis. And normally, in a normal season, or even if it was just a 60-game season without expanded postseason, you would be like, okay, they're out of it. But it's weird because maybe they're not out of it. And so I think it's really hard for teams. There's so many teams now that feel like, well, maybe there's still a chance. And so I think normally those like middle, the border teams that would have to at the, you know, right at the deadline, make the decision. Okay. I think we're just going to be sellers. I think those are the ones that there's going to be so many more of those teams that are like, well, like maybe we'll just hold on to it. And it's not really worth it to give up guys anyways, because we might, you know, we, we might have a chance. And so I think it's just going to be a really dead trade deadline, unfortunately. Yeah. And it makes me think of like, every time you go to winter meetings, I mean, I've never really actually been, but I've covered the stuff. And as a member of the media, I hate, and I love covering the trade deadline because I, I'm not well equipped enough where I have tons of sources, but I'm also, I have to write about these. Like my favorite story is actually just this last one or whenever Bryce Harper and Manny Machado were free agents. Yeah. I literally wrote out a rumor that there was no way in hell the Phillies were going to get Bryce Harper. No way in hell. Published it. Two seconds later, Heyman tweets it out. And I'm sitting there like, all right, I look like a dumbass. So I'm curious, like when you're hearing these rumors, just from a media perspective, I have to, I have to write about it, period. I, like no matter what, I have to write about it. Unless, of course, I genuinely know there's no chance in hell. So when you're hearing these rumors as a person who represents these players, like, what are those conversations like? Like, like, will you have somebody texting you and being like, yo, what the fuck? This just was tweeted out because Heyman said it. But then 
Bob Nightingale said no, but then when Bob, you know, it's like all over the place. So how, how are those conversations? So a lot of it is just kind of managing expectations. I mean, so let's talk, I mean, let's talk about Trevor last year, for example, he, everyone was talking about, you know, Bauer's going to get traded, Bauer's going to get traded. And as it's starting to get closer, so Trevor actually talked to the front office and they pulled him in and said, look, we're, we understand this is a weird position for you to be in, to be, you know, to be thinking like, are they going to get rid of me? Is this still my team? You know, like where do I stand? I heard the Indians front office. Sorry. Yeah. The Indians. Yeah. So they told him, we just want you to understand. We totally get that. This is probably weird for you because every day there's a new article about the potential teams you're probably going to get traded to. And we want you to know that we have no intention right now of trading you. And this was probably four days before the deadline. Um, so, I mean, that's right around the deadline and they're telling him, look, we still, we're all in it. We're trying to win. We, we don't have any intention of trading you. Meanwhile, then you have to talk to Trevor and say, look, they say that, but you never know at the final hour what's going to happen. Yeah. Historically, yeah. Like, let's just, let's so, yeah. So in his head, he's thinking like, even just in terms of his family coming out to visit he has to think about these things like, well, it's probably doesn't make sense for you to come before, you know, July 31st, last year's trade deadline, because I might not be here. I don't know where I'm going to be in a few weeks. I could be here and I could be with a completely different team. And then we had these ideas of like certain teams that are constantly being written about that would likely want to trade for him. Yeah. And so what happened was I got... So I was actually in Cleveland because I knew that there was like, there might be a trade. We don't know really what's going on. And he's hearing, this was, I think the day, this was, I believe, July 30th, I want to say, that he's hearing like, there's not going to be a trade. You know, he's probably fine. Although he had just had the incident of throwing the ball over, you know, center field. And there was that whole thing. People talking like that is a trade situation like oh he threw the ball over the fence that's gonna help or hurt him it was fun yeah every oh everyone people to this day said that because he threw the ball over that's why he got traded he was okay whatever it was the that part I just I stopped responding to that on social media or whatever because I was like all right if you want to think that fine he was on the trading block anyways but it's like it's like that's not gonna like help or hurt you like yeah I mean, it, it definitely added to the tension maybe that he had with Tito at the time or, yeah. you know, whatever. But anyway, so he's go, he goes to the ballpark thinking, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get traded. And I get a text from a scout I know. And they were like, listen, I'm about, I think they're like 65% sure trade's going to go down and Bauer's involved. And this scout was not affiliated with any of the teams that were. So you knew it wasn't like going to affect anything. Okay. Okay. Well, so they're not like, they're not affiliated. So I'm so, but, but I know they're a good source. They're credible. Yeah. And scout, the scout world, it's a small tight knit kind of community and they they talk and because they have to scout players for their team, you know, to trade for, et cetera. So they have an idea of kind of the inner workings of who's going where. And so I'm going back and forth with the scout and around so now probably around 
five or six, um, and I'm in Cleveland, I get another text, like, I'm pretty sure that, like, I'm now I'm like 75% sure that this trade's happening. It's with Bauer, and it also involves the Padres. And so I'm thinking, oh, wow, this is, this is great. You know, uh, San Diego, I'm from California. I love San Diego. <laughs> she told me this about herself. She's like, yes. I was ready. To this move. is fantastic. <laughs> because I would, <laughs> well, listen, like if I'm going to go, when I go and, you know, visit and watch him play, it's way easier for me to go from NorCal to San Diego than to Cleveland. Cleveland's, yeah. it's difficult to get to. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, whatever I thought, I was like, oh, this is cool. San Diego. So I text Trevor and I said, listen, this is the information that I have. Just throwing that out there. Take it for whatever it's worth. He then goes, the game starts, he's playing. And now I show up, I'm at the game and it's probably in the seventh inning. And I get a text from the scout and the scout said, listen, uh, the trade it's being finalized right now. It's not on Twitter. It's not official, but Trevor just got traded. And I was like, oh, interesting. So he's going to San Diego. (laughs) Scott was like, no Cincinnati. I was like, wait, what? That literally came out of left field. No one even, if you go back, look at the trade rumors, look at all this stuff. Cincinnati was never mentioned. Cincinnati was this dark horse that ever like came out of nowhere and just swooped in. It definitely so, was a dark horse. I knew, I knew some, like they weren't out of, I knew they were going to do something to make, to like sexify up it, if you will, because they needed to, they had a right. great, they needed something to kind of push them over. But yeah. they weren't, they weren't in the race. Everyone looks at it as like, if you're going to buy, if you're going to get a big piece like that, you're going to be trying to make it to the postseason. while they still, I think they were maybe five games back at the time. They, they weren't really one of these, um, you know, like right. teams that it was clear, you know, they're, they're going to make a run for it. Yeah. So I was super caught off guard. I text Trevor. He goes in the seventh inning because um, sometimes he'll go in if he has to like yeah. do some recovery or something and he'll check his phone. And he saw and he goes, oh, that's interesting. He's like, oh. Cincinnati? Like question mark? He's like, Yeah. I was like, it's not official. It's not on Twitter. So don't, don't say anything. He's like, okay. So then he goes back out into the dugout, finishes the game. He knows he's not a part of this team anymore. None of his teammates know this yet. And he then goes back into uh, the, the clubhouse when the game is over. They do all the high fives, everything. He goes back into the clubhouse checks his phone. Now it's Twitter official once the game ended. And so this is, I don't know, maybe around eight or maybe eight or nine at night. So he checks his phone and then Antonetti calls him into the office and says they want to talk. So as he's walking in, Tito's sitting in there as well. And he was like, I already know. And they were like, "Uh oh, Uh, well, we didn't want you to, we we wanted to tell you, he was like, it's Twitter. Like they beat you to it. Sorry. I'm going to find out like my boyfriend, if I ever get one, dumps me on yeah. Twitter before he tells me. I yeah. Just know what's happen. So, I mean, Hey, that's how it works now. But, um, so then he, he was just like, it was a very, it was very business. It was, you know, all right, well, um, you know, the secretary, there was, there were no feelings. It was just, you go from this, this kind of family that, that takes care of you, that they're, you know, they look out for your family. They help you business. With, 
And then it's just, it, you just cut ties and there's no feelings. And it's just, okay, so the traveling secretary for Cincinnati will be in contact with you tomorrow. They will arrange, you know, your flight to get there. You have 72 hours to get to the city, whatever city that the team will be in to meet up with them and to move all of your stuff. And then it's just this rush of basically 72 hours is like the max that you have to pack up everything to pack make Right. To make arrangements, to figure out where are you going to, where are you going to live? Where, you know, how are you going to get there? How are you going to get all your stuff there? Just everything. Then you have to go back into your clubhouse and go clean out your locker. And it was just a sad, like when he, he then like went back out into the clubhouse after talking with them and, you know, the players obviously saw on Twitter and stuff too. And they're all, you know, kind of giving him hugs and like, you know, hey man, you know, I'm going to miss you. I saw Clev after the game. Clev was really sad. He was just yeah. like, it's just sad. Like you get torn away. You get torn away from this kind of family that you have. And then you get thrust into this new team that is now like you have to be a part of the team. Yeah. And you have to perform. There's no like icebreakers. There's no like, yeah. hey, it's the first day of school. It's you're in there. I don't care that you have a Jan Sport backpack and a Trapper Keeper. You got to you got it on the mound. And you have to fit into our team, like yeah. the culture, everything. And you don't know that, like what their culture is like, you know, yeah. what do they do? Just little things of like, what time do they have to, what time do the buses leave yeah. you know, from hotels? Like just so many little things that you, you know, when, if you start the, the year with that team, you know, you learn all these things the that you don't think about. Yeah. And just how, and how different it is. And let me tell you, like, it's very different. The way Cincinnati operates, their kind of rules and their standards are very different from how Cleveland operated. And so it's just, it's a, it's kind of a whirlwind and it's a, it's an odd thing. We compared it. I remember last year when it happened, we were talking about it and we were like, can you imagine if in your job you go in and your boss calls you in and was like, Hey, so, um, today we made a trade with our other competitor. So like some other competing yeah. tech company that you work for. And they're like, we traded you for an intern and some cash and you have 72 hours to pack up all your stuff and move to a new city to that competitor's city. And you don't have a choice and you have to go. Yeah. It's a weird thought. I it think. is. I I'd get traded for a slapdick intern in a second. People like give slapdick intern in $14 and like a Qdoba gift card. And, um, and maybe like a fax machine though. Throw that oh, in. I am so fax machine worthy, 100%. But that that's, you, you mentioned the 72 hours thing. And I wonder, because if that's how much it takes for like the, the official everything to be moved, yeah. 72 hours in a 60 game season is a fourth of the season. Mm -hmm. so like, will that play into it too? Or they would like construct that down. Wait, that's actually... I I don't even know. Say it's a good question. Mama wants to hear it. Yeah. I, yeah, that's a great question. Okay, thank you so much. You're welcome. That's a fantastic question. I don't know how that works. Because, I mean, I I think about this, way, like, oh, when a trade happens, the typical, it's 72 hours. But, hey, we're moving quick. We got to right. make it 36 hours or whatever it is. That's interesting. Yeah, I always, I always think about that because, like, you know, like, I'm always, like, mentally thinking, like, oh, you have to perform. Hey, nice to meet you. Hey, you're going up to bat. You've never faced this batter before. And I'm sure they, they hook them up with like all the scouting reports and the, the film and stuff on their way over. But. but some of them, but the other thing is they have different, they use different scouting reports, the things that they focus on. Right. And you have to get used to that. There's certain things that certain types of information that, uh, you know, the analytics guys 
in Cleveland know Trevor wants. That might be different from the other pitchers on the staff, but to like these are ones Trevor wants. And now he's thrust into a new team and he's got to explain this stuff to the other, their analytics guys. Like he has a whole new group of people working for him mm-hmm. and it's tough. It's, you know, it, it, and, and it's not just like you have, you know, a week or so to get acquainted and to, you know, unpack everything. It's like, you know, you're just, like you said, thrust into it and you got to perform. Yeah. It's like a lot to take in. Like I, oof. I mean, sometimes I do better when I like don't have time to think things, you know, but that can't be the case with somebody who is constantly on the trading block or constantly being talked about. And like he's, he put himself, I mean, if he does the one-year deals that in the past he said that he wanted to do, he'll be a perfect, you know, assuming he's pitching well, he'll be, Bauer will be a perfect trade piece every, he'll be on the trading block every season if his team's not winning. He'll be like the guy to go to, to ask for, he, he should make a, a vlog about that. Like, I know what it's like to be traded always. Like, <laughs> Have you seen, he, he, um, they documented momentum, documented the entire thing. It was one okay. of the first ever of like documenting an entire trade, the whole process of moving and everything. And yeah. it's, it's interesting to watch. It is very interesting to watch. And we should do it from a perspective of like a minor leaguer too. Like yeah. just because, I mean, this is no offense to Trevor, but obviously like a bigger, big leaguer compared to a, a minor leaguer, the resources of course are going to be different and Absolutely. everything like that. So that's something to think about too. We'll have to look into that. Um, obviously the arbitration talk that we had last week was amazing. I learned so much and I've never received more in for like, like props about anything I've ever done. And I'm not even exaggerating and I've made so much damn content. So props to you on that. But now everything I think of has to do with these guys, contracts and arbitrations. Like I was, I did Bok talk earlier and I was like talking, thinking about Fernando Tatis Jr. We talked about that a lot. Um, and so right now there's going to be the lack of all-star selections. Obviously there's no, it's just, it's a weird season. We have to adjust like who's going to be the best of the best. We don't really know. So how would this weird season with, you know, there's no all-star game, which the game is whatever. It's just an extra thing on your baseball reference page. How would the lack of the extra stuff happening this season affect contracts, trades, anything else? Because Uh, a lot. Yeah. Oh yeah. Cause we talked about the arbitration stuff and it's like interesting from the, the numbers. And I talked about this from like a, you know, Shane Bieber situation where he's a five and O this season. Nobody, if we were casually saying that nobody gives a shit, but if we were talking about arbitration panels and stuff, wins count. So in a scenario like this, where there's lack of all-stars, how does that affect a player's contract? It's going to affect it. I mean, let's just in terms of arbitration, that is a, that is a huge distinguisher in the market of how we group players. So this group of players, they're here because they have this level of performance. They also, what separates them and why they're going to be paid more than these guys is below is because they were all stars for one season, or they were an all-star maybe let's say in their platform season, right? Their most recent season. So that's why they're going to get the most. So now in, I have been in so many cases where they will distinguish players based on all-star selection, based on the fact that they were in the all-star in their platform season, or they were an all-star. And that is, and I've also been in cases where you make arguments saying, you know, look, because 
the all-star selection does sometimes come down to politics and, you know, depending on the team, you know, because they have to pick one from each team and the way it works out there are oh every year there are guys, players that should, that are all-star caliber that didn't or they have it. enough hashtags in their tweets. Yeah. I hate yeah. that shit. That is not how you should select all-stars. Yeah. So, so there are, like I've been in cases several where, you know, you argue, look, he wasn't an all-star, but let's compare his performance to these other guys that were all-stars. He's just as good, if not better. So to say that just because he got the all-star, you know, nod that, that they should be distinguished. So now you're kind of going to have to make that argument. You're going to basically have to argue, look at these guys' stats and say, look, they, they would have been all-stars, but but we don't know, but we're going to have to make that argument. So there's the arbitration aspect of it. And then there's the, you know, other contracts, whether they're extensions or, um, they're out of system, out of arbitration system contracts. So free agent contracts, for example, even Trevor's contract, it has all-star bonuses in it. So, you know, we negotiated, he got 17.5 million, but he also had a hundred thousand dollar bonus for being an all-star. That was something that was negotiated in it was used as you know okay fine well if you give us this we'll give you that and now so we got that but now it's not even gonna count like that's just a hundred grand that you know Trevor would Trevor be an all-star this year I'd like to think so and but unfortunately it doesn't matter if he is the numbers prove it he's the little lack of tick in baseball reference is gonna cost him yeah and so he won't get that bonus and so that's is there any discussion if they're going to do something? Cause like last year they had that inaugural, like second half performance team, like all MLB or whatever it is. And I think that's smart because baseball's weird and has like the all-star game right in the middle, which is weird. But so like you have the, the Marcus Simeons of the world or the David Fletcher's who had a solid second half or something. And so like, I wonder if they'll, they, I feel like they have to do something. Like, I don't know, give them a freaking, I'll make gift certificates. I don't know. Like it, it just feels like that's what they're going to, I mean, maybe, but at the end of the day, I don't think it's going to change the fact that no. if in his contract, he does, if he was not an all-star, if they don't have an all-star game, then he does not get the hundred grand bonus. That's just what it comes down to. It's a contract. So, and that's all-star game. It's not just selected as an all-star. Is it, that no, it's if you if you're selected, you don't need to pitch in the game. If you are selected, you get to be a part of it because there are plenty of players. I mean, Verlander's done it, I think, a few times where he has been selected, but he opts not to play the game. But right. he still goes and he's a part of it. Like because my, my favorite part of the All-Star game is everything but the All-Star game. Yeah. Like give me the home run derby. I want the red carpet. I want to see what Sean Doolittle's wearing. I want all that. I don't care about the game, please. Nobody you. actually does. I even sometimes like the weird slow pitch softball game, like where it's the one time I feel like I can take Jenny Finch yard because she's it's slow pitch. You know, I'm like, look yeah. at that. Killing it. That's the rest is like, whatever. And there's always like a pit bull performance for some reason, Yeah. but you know, whatever. Um, another thing I wanted to talk to you about is because the one thing I know is you love shoes. Like it's actually kind of scary how many shoes you have. Well, and uh, you have just, I feel like you have just as many, if not more, no? I, maybe, I guess mine, like yours, I feel like are a little bit more, that's a great, great point. Yeah, I have a lot. It's kind of embarrassing, but I also haven't worn that many lately because I'm just in like tennis shoes. Yeah. And then I'm with you, but, yeah, but I'm obsessed with shoes. Like shoes yeah. will, I will, I will put together an entire outfit around shoes. I love it. 
that's what you should do. Absolutely. And, and I'm that way with bags. I have so many bags, but, um, I, interesting scenario happened with, with Trevor and he wore these free Joe Kelly cleats and Jeff Passan tweeted about it because he got, you know, he's the insider. Um, I, I have so many questions with this. A, it's weird because the players weekend is something that's recently come out where MLB wants us to see these players show off their individuality. Right. And there's a lot of stuff where it's, you know, Kobe Bryant related or black lives matter, or just something that they love or Looney tunes, like all kinds of stuff. So that's what Trevor was kind of doing. He was expressing himself, but what is the scenario with how does this impact stuff? I know obviously sp sponsorships are big, um, but I'm curious, why is this scenario so specific toward Trevor and like what exactly happened with these cleats? And I believe there was a rumor he was going to get suspended or fined or what happened there? Yeah. So they, so usually the way that the, um, the regulations are agreed upon for footwear is that basically you can use it's, I think it's like more than 51% of your cleats have to be one of the primary colors of your team. And then you like, they're, they're very strict regulations. It's like two pages long or something of what you can have on cleats, et cetera, but it's very stringent and kind of related. It's centered around your team's colors basically. So because of Obviously, it's been a push the last, you know, couple of years where players and Trevor's been very outspoken about this on Twitter that, you know, like, let's look at the NBA. They do it right. Let players express themselves on their cleats. You know, it's not that big of a deal and it's going to draw in fans. You're going to get people engaged. I mean, remember when in the beginning of the season, when Harper wore those Philly fanatic cleats, like those are really cool. It got people talking. He was probably trending on Twitter, you know, so th there's engagement in the sport. So they decided because of the 60 game season, they were like, okay, we're trying to get, you know, I guess if we want this engagement and more fans, we will lift the strict regulations on footwear and we'll let them do kind of the same thing, like whatever you want, like they do for players weekend that they started doing the last few years. So what these regulations were, but there were still guidelines on that. You cannot have any, you know, um, you couldn't have any offensive writing on it, offensive pictures. You couldn't have any other companies on it. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with like sponsorships as well. You know, so yeah. you have Nike shoes. I feel like they're more anal about sponsorships than they are about uh, offensive stuff. Yeah. So, but then there were, um, there was a clause in there that also said that they had to be pre-approved by Rob. Um, so by MLB. Yeah before wearing them. I'm pretty sure that nobody has actually gone through that process. Trevor's worn really cool cleats that are, you know, special, um, the last few starts and never had a problem with it because they, they weren't anything, you know, I guess controversial. So he decided for this start to wear the free Joe Kelly cleats and he posted a picture of it. And of course, naturally it, 
you know, people started sharing and it kind of went viral and everyone was excited. And it was this, this whole Astros thing and this whole, even the free Joe Kelly, it's a, it's a pop culture thing now. It's not even directed, like there's no malice in it really. It's just this kind of the Astros cheated. We know they did. And it's this year kind of spent of it's, it's pop culture. It's, you know, free Joe Kelly. It's, you know, the Astros cheated all that. And so that's kind of what he was going for. So we post the picture. We get calls from the union um, immediately. Um, I'm pretty sure, by the way, that MLB, it was insinuated by the union that I think the MLB has notifications turned on for Trevor specifically. I was going to ask, what was that time frame? So the moment... It was, I believe it was in within a few minutes of Trevor tweeting that that picture that... MLB was calling the union very upset. And what it came down to is there was the hearing for Kelly. I won't go into like any of the specifics of any of that, but it wasn't, it was, there was tension and it was heated. And the way hearings work is when you appeal a suspension, you have to, you argue it, you appeal it in front of an arbitrator, but it is an MLB employee is the arbitrator. So it's not a neutral party. Yeah. And unlike other sports, unlike NBA, unlike um, NFL, when you appeal it, you're still getting paid and you're still getting service time. And even when you get suspended, you still get paid for that time. That's very different than the other leagues. So you're getting, they're not losing their salary on those days that they're suspended. They're also, and they're getting their service time, which is good. Yeah the way they lose money is if they have to pay a fine, but the fines, they go to a charity of their choice, Mm -hmm. which is good too. But so anyways, there was the whole appeal and people were upset about things in it um, and how it all happened. And it was very fresh. It was like a week or a few days prior. And then Trevor comes out with these cleats. Trevor has no idea about anything that happened in this appeal, but the commissioner's office is still very frustrated by it and they take it as a direct kind of attack on their decision to suspend him. And so one of the clauses in the regulations, the updated regulations for this year is that you cannot have any writing in there that is saying anything negative about a company or an individual. And I think the way they interpreted this was that it was saying something, it was implying something negative about how we handled the situation. Right. About free Joe Kelly. So how MLB handled it by locking him up or whatever, I think their argument was that it was saying it was a negative kind of response to what they decide to do. So they didn't like that. So they decided that he can't wear them. And they also kind of indicated, I guess, that, you know, this kind of stuff is why they don't like having why they don't want to lift all the regulations on footwear for future seasons because they don't want to deal with this kind of stuff. However, I would argue, I mean, it it wasn't in any way directly targeted or there was no malice. It wasn't directly targeted at it. It was Trevor that did it. There was a little bit of extra attention on that. 100%. He has a target on his back and, and they know he likes to push, you know, their buttons a little and push the boundaries. And to them, it was, yeah, it was a direct kind of, um, 
attack on them and they got upset about it and they didn't want it. And look, given what the rules say and the regulations, they have a right to say, right. They have something to refer back to. Right. They can deny, uh, you know, which that sucks, but they're the way, um, the punishment works uh, for or for violating the footwear or uniform or for the uniform violations, the first time it's a warning. You get a warning. It's either by baseball, MLB can do it, or umpires are also allowed to enforce it. So the first time that you violate it, it's a warning. It never resets, by the way. So if you mess up 10 years prior and you get a warning, 10 years later, you violate it again, you're now onto the second offense. You don't get a second. Now it's not because what if there's an amendment in between that. Like there's an amendment of a rule and it's like you violated that amendment. Does that make sense? If you violate, I mean, it, it's literally wherever you're at Stupid. in terms of offenses, that's if in yeah. your, in your career, that's where you take or like they you know, start back when you do the next violation. So the first offense, it's a warning. The second offense, I believe it's a thousand dollar fine. The third offense is 5,000 and the fourth offense is 10,000. If they decide that any of those are just flagrant, like violations and there's, you know, probably like malice and you do something really bad, basically, it, all you need is one time and they can prohibit you from playing for that. And they can set, you can get like a fourth time offense fine for it. If it's like a flagrant, if they decide it's flagrant. So <laughs> Trevor was wondering to last, it was like in the off season because he wanted to have cool cleats and he was wondering, he's like, okay, well, it's a thousand dollars for, or like second, 5,000, the third, 10, you know, the fourth, he's like, like some money around. He's like, <laughs> He's like, I could pay that fee. I'm like, it's a fine, not a fee. Yeah. And he's like, he goes, what's the fifth offense? And we literally had to call him, call MLB, and we're like, how does that work? So what happens when you, uh, you, you violate it? A fifth. Hey, asking, asking for a friend. Friend. Every, for a friend. Anytime Rachel asks questions like that, they're like, what's Trevor going to do? Oh God. <laughs> but they don't actually have anything written for. Um, a fifth offense. So, oh, so anyways, create the, the offense. Good for yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> but so that's kind of, that's where it was an issue too. And that we got kind of frustrated because they were talking about suspending him and all this stuff. Um, I doubt that that would happen. They don't really have anywhere in our, the CBA. It doesn't really say that that's a scenario I believe where they could suspend him. However, you have to go into a hearing and to appeal it in front of a new or in front of an MLB employee, basically. So do you want to take those, that risk? Do you want to, yeah. you know, take that chance that they're going to rule in your favor, especially if your name is Trevor Bauer? <laughs> I mean, it's just, that's the reality. And that's kind of what I, I mean, you have to tell your client, especially if, you know, his name is Trevor Bauer. <laughs> yeah. This yeah. is what you're up against. Yeah. So. That's interesting, huh? Yeah, because it just, it, it blows my mind because, I mean, the Players Weekend, I think, is one of the coolest things to happen to baseball and, or to MLB, and, I mean, the uniforms are disgusting. They're so bad, but the fact that they can, you know, show off on their cleats and, like, everything else is really cool. Their uniforms are, are we talking about Players Weekend uniforms? Yeah, they're so bad. But they're different every year. 
Well, the sorry, the most recent ones. Were Are you kidding? Okay, everyone hated them. Did you like them, Reach? The all white and all black. I thought was so cool. I don't know. I think the, there was a reason why I didn't like it. Oh, it's because it was coincidentally the A's and the Giants were playing in Players Weekend. And when I have to use photos, I use like anything that's available. So when you use photos from Giants and A's for the rest of the season, there's a big chunk where I could use photos, but you couldn't tell who was who because there was no. Okay, that's fair. So it was just annoying, you know, like. That's fair. And I just, I just felt like it looked weird. Like I, my favorite part is seeing the colors, you know, and but I, I just certain guys just didn't look good. I think Degrom did not like him in all in the all single. Color. It just looked weird, and some of them looked like. I, don't even I didn't like that the pitchers had to wear like if you have if you're all yeah. white if that's your color that you have to wear the black hat because of the they didn't want they thought it was like distracting. Yeah. Or, Which you know. I get, but like you're also wearing all one color, yeah. all white. How does does that like all of a sudden even out the colored hat? I don't know. I don't know. Whatever, but like let the damn kids play and, and all that stuff. But cool. Well, this is fun. Always a pleasure and. Um, we will be back and hopefully this time next week, maybe Johnny Cueto will be a member of the A's. That's a rumor I heard. You've heard a lot of rumors. I always love like listening to uh, like other people and yeah, the rumors that they've heard. Well, and it was way, because somebody mentioned it with A's post game and I'm sitting there like, huh, <laughs> I don't hate that. But like, but <laughs> I know it's, it's a weird, weird time. Did you notice by the way, my coffee and wine that I did? You know what? It's, it's all about days. balance, Mama Sita. Yeah, it's one of those days. It is one of those days. I was actually going to do that too because I was going to actually have to do a protein shake with my wine. Ooh, I like that. But like, you know, the night is still young. Maybe I'll do that later. Mm-hmm. I don't care. Well, cheers. We didn't get too toasty yeah. this time around. Yes. And congrats to all the new trades that probably won't happen. Yeah. Let's. How how many? Okay. Do you think the A's? make a big trade i think i i don't know if it'll be a big trade but there's the prospects like it's funny they have a really bad farm system because all of our good guys are getting bumped up so i think it'll be a decent trade and i have a feeling i'm sure it'll be a pitcher because like they, b b quality i i think that uh, i don't know though because i thought it'd be the same scenario last year and roark isn't a bad acquisition but like I felt like he was also wonky. He was great for the A's when the A's played at home, but like we need yeah. more diversity. So I think it'll be a big enough trade where we like A's fans can flip off people, Perfect. you know, but trades are weird. Some people just don't do well with the change of scenery. So we'll see. True. So looking forward to seeing somebody pulling off that green and gold, maybe somebody we didn't anticipate. And if it's Cueto, it's easy to pack. So there yeah. it is. Super easy. It's it, that is easier than Trevor's trade from Cleveland to Cincinnati. Yeah. So there it is. Bye, guys. Bye.